Cubicle Nate Noodlings recorded on the 13th of December 2019. This is my corner of the internet where I talk and talk in one long unbroken sentence moving from topic to topic where no one can interrupt. Doing my best not to pod fade away and keep at this when I skip five weeks of it and share with you the things that tickle my nerdy nerve endings. Pulled right from the round file just for you, smoking a turkey, Linux-powered Christmas lights, exploring media servers, a Biddle follow-up, and my open SUSE corner. So now this is a bit of old news, but I like smoking meat. For me, it's a, it's a fun hobby. It's a delicious hobby. And it dovetails right in with my other nerdy things I like to do. I bought a turkey to smoke for Thanksgiving. And I discovered that I don't have anything to actually brine the turkey in. Now, brine is a sugar-salt combination. You put other flavors in there, herbs and spices or whatever. And it softens the meat, makes it more tender and juicy when you go to cook it. And so I was smoking a turkey. I wanted it to stay nice and moist. And when I got this turkey, it was an 18-ish pound turkey. As I began the thought process, I realized I didn't have anything I could brine the turkey in. No containers were big enough in my house to put the turkey into in a brine. I ended up going with a five-gallon bucket that I bought at a hardware store, gave it a good cleaning. I'm sure there are some out there that would say, oh, that's a bad idea. You're going to get plastic in your food or whatever. But the turkey was wrapped in plastic when I got it, and I didn't do an actual chemical composition of the brine after it was done sitting in that bucket for those 48 hours it sat. But I'm not terribly worried. If you want to fire off some facts at me and, and set me straight, I'm all, I'm all good for that. After brining the turkey, about 48 hours, I had to keep putting ice in there, and I packed the thing in ice because, you know, I had to keep it cold so it wouldn't go gross. I came to this unsettling realization that this turkey will not fit in my smoker. So I got the advice from fellow food geekery folks that I should just cut it in half and smoke it in two halves. Cutting a turkey in half is not exactly the easiest thing to do. That's a tough bird, and it took me a lot longer than I anticipated. Once the turkey was cut in half, I coated the bird with mayonnaise and then put this rub on there. It was kind of a spicier, more of a pork choppy kind of rub, but I, I like spicy. I want a little heat in my bird. And it turned out really well. I anticipated smoking it for about 25 minutes for every pound of meat, but in the end, it was much less than that. It was probably more like 15 or 20 minutes. I was a little concerned that the white meat would get too dry, but ultimately, it turned out really well. My first turkey smoking experience was a success, and I have a lot of data points now that next time I go to smoke a turkey or a larger bird like that, what I will need to do to improve my results. Not that it was bad this time, but there are definitely some things I can improve. Here are the things that I learned. My smoker thermometer is probably wrong. At some point through the smoking process, I would have been wise to swap the halves of the bird halfway through. I used too much wood, so it was a bit too smoky tasting for my liking. No complaints on it, but just for me, I think I would have liked a little bit less smoke. The turkey bones made for some great post-Thanksgiving soup that everybody enjoyed in my house. The next turkey I get should also be just a little bit smaller. I think 18 pounds was just a little bit too much, or maybe I should just do a couple of chickens instead. What would really be great is to have a smoker, or maybe modify this smoker, that had some sensors on it, like temperature in different zones, humidity, particulate matter to determine 
you know, how much smoke content there is. Maybe a couple of probes in various places so that I can tell what the temperature is in different spots on whatever it is that I'm smoking. All this so that I can get better data on the cooking process and have a, a more enjoyable final product. This year, I put up some Linux-powered Christmas lights. Now this is something I've wanted to do since I first saw this Wizards of Winter Christmas light display from 2005 on YouTube before it was owned by Google, I think. And it was an amazing display of you know lights flashing and doing these fun things to music. And I really enjoyed it. I've wanted to do this since. And, you know, now we're 14 years later and I've finally done something similar. It took a lot of learning, understanding the software and hardware, what I should get, making sense of all the hardware and software that's out there to fit my personal needs. And there's a lot of opinions out there. And I'm not saying my opinion is right, but I did what works best for me. So what I did to power this Christmas light display was I got a BeagleBone Black with this Culp Lights F8B cape. That controls the actual pixel lights. It has eight local ports for strings of lights. It has some extra output so you can power a lot more lights than just that. Each port can power a string of approximately 700 pixels. They say approximately because there can be some delay and lag for those pixels at the end of the chain so your animation might not be as great. Now, what I'm doing with it this year really wouldn't matter. However, I didn't go anything over 400 for any string of lights. I'm currently running 1,148 pixels, totaling 3,444 light channels, because each pixel has a red, green, and blue light in it, and you control those channels however you see fit. And then I have a Pixel to Things AC board to power the traditional AC string of lights on the blow-up Santa and the painfully bright white Christmas tree spiral thing that I have, also with a Pixel controller, so it wouldn't be a separate thing and all controllable through the same device. To power the whole kit and caboodle, I have a 12-volt, 30-amp power supply, and all sits in an ABS electrical junction box enclosure. Some additional things I had to buy to make this work were 10 pair of Raywoo connectors, 200 feet of 18-gauge 3-conductor cable, 500 feet of 18-gauge 2-conductor cable, 8 2-conductor extension cords that you would see, like, you know, around the house. But I was going to buy just cable and connectors and build them myself, but it was substantially cheaper, like one quarter of the cost, just to buy already-made extension cords and cut off what I needed. I don't throw away the, you know, the wire because I'm going to use it for something else. And then a 40-foot three-conductor extension cord to actually power the box and also use for extra wire as needed. This all uses free and open-source software. The BeagleBone is running this Falcon Pi player. It's the download uh, that you can put onto an SD card and throw in there. It powers the lights, runs Linux, and then to actually build the scenes, there's free and open-source software called X-Lights, and I just downloaded the app image, which works really well. You can run it on Linux macro windows, but I don't know why I'd want to use macro windows because, you know, it's kind of painful. And that builds your scenes. I'm going to do a, a video or something, a write-up on this later, kind of make a, a very easy start into it. I, I did watch a lot of videos and, and read a lot of articles and go onto forums to try and get what I wanted. If you under this, rather than let you go through and spend eight weeks of, of studying, I'm going to build a little shortcut quick start thing that'll get you going with it you know, if you want to do such a thing for your house or, you know, for any other purpose. I also have links to CulpLights and PixelToThings.com for the different devices I used and just a parts list, a build material as it were, to make it easier. Now, some of these lights are not going to come down at all. I'm leaving some of these lights up all year long, the ones around the roof line of my house, because I'm going to turn those into just holiday lights. So after Christmas, I'm going to turn those into winter lights, so blue and Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, and so forth. 
I'm still learning the hardware and the software, but next year, I think I'm going to step up my game a little bit. I noticed there's another house in town that has a really awesome display, and not to say that this is going to be an arms war. I mean, I don't even know who the guy is that has it, and I live in a small town. I should probably just knock on his door and find out, but he had all kinds of great things in his yard. It was very enjoyable to watch, and an FM transmitter. So next year, I'm going to build some props, candy canes, arches, and at least one Christmas tree, maybe more, and get a low-powered FM transmitter to do the light shows to music, but not so much that my neighbors will want to burn my house down. For my Biddle follow-up, we have been testing the Ubuntu 19.10 releases. I'm impressed with the Ubuntu proper release. It's a great project. It has so many high-quality derivatives. You can just tell they put a lot of heart and soul into the project. For Ubuntu proper, uses the GNOME desktop, I'm going to say that Ubuntu has my favorite expression of GNOME. The competitive advantage of Ubuntu GNOME is the clean experience, the additional features that just make sense for a typical desktop user. Mate is a solid experience, and it just doesn't disappoint. You can choose between the different desktop paradigms of Windows-like, Mac-like, and Unity-like. It's such a smart desktop, and frankly, I think this should be the Ubuntu proper experience, but that is my opinion. Lubuntu is the LXQT desktop with the best out-of-box polish that I've seen. There's some other things I would polish out on it, specifically to drop OpenBox as a window manager and use KWin. That's easily done for any user, and in fact, I did a little write-up on it on how to do it with OpenSUSE. Kubuntu is a great Plasma desktop experience, and although it has some really great defaults, I still prefer some of the other integrations better on OpenSUSE, specifically that Firefox uses Plasma file dialogs instead of the clunky GTK version. Since the default layout is not a big deal to me, but nicely done in Kubuntu, there's really no reason for me to choose Kubuntu over OpenSUSE Plasma because either one I would modify for my liking anyway. I will say, however, it is my favorite of the Ubuntu flavors. They just happen to do Plasma justice, and for someone new to Linux that wants a premium Linux experience, this would be a candidate to send to them for sure. Zubuntu is an XFCE-based Ubuntu. I didn't actually try it, but since I know what I'm getting into with Ubuntu, and I know what I'm getting into with XFCE, you just can't go wrong with it. For those that like the XFCE experience and want to try their hands in the Ubuntu world, this is a good place to go. The current Biddle challenge is elementary OS. I'm truly struggling with this distribution. I appreciate the design intent, but the usability experience for me is probably my least favorite of the Ubuntu branch of Linux. The lack of double-click, but tease me with the double-click options, the feature anemic file manager, and the dock at the bottom that doesn't give you a choice of which instance of an application to interact with when you click on it, or hover, or, or whatever, like you would get in any other desktop environment. I also find it's very Mac-like, even using the Open Apple or Clover Key, or man key, whatever you want to call it, as opposed to calling it the meta or super key that you would see on every other distro. I know that I certainly don't have that clover key on my Dell. The big thing that really just kind of grinds my gears about the interaction is the lack of a minimize. There are times I just want to clear my desktop off and have one window there not full screened because sometimes you know I want to have maybe a couple of windows side by side and I guess I could leave them up I, I should just I could just get used to that but if I want to take a screenshot I don't want to have all the other clutter there I have to go through down to the dock click to raise then click to minimize then click then go to the next application click to raise click to minimize it's just it's just really clunky to me and I I don't see as hard as I try I just don't see the benefit of removing the function of a minimize button I, I just I don't get it I appreciate their stubborn design intent, but it is clear the Pantheon desktop is not for me. I would never discourage anyone from trying it, but I personally just can't get along with it. In my open SUSE corner, Mesa 19.2.4 was released, which just has some bug fixes from 19.2.3. 
Linux kernel 5.3.12 is available. Tumbleweed gets a new OpenSSH version. KDA Plasma 5.17.3 had some bug fix updates, like fixed mouse KCM acceleration profile in X11. K Calendar Core package update with KDE Frameworks 5.63.0. Many YAST packages were updated. Firefox 70 was released, now in Firefox 70.0.1, I believe. Libvirt 5.9.0. Also, 1.2.1.1 drop patches and fixed regressions for the UCM parser. There's an update of the Moda Manager 1.12.0, a Dbus activated daemon that controls mobile broadband devices and connections. That update had several improvements and changes to include adding support for mobile station-based assisted GPS. Firewall D 0.7.2 added 50 new service definitions and provided a new option, flush all on reload in firewalld.conf. There was also an email from the Tumbleweed release manager, Dominique Lewenberger, I hope I'm saying that right, that a build-fail notification for the Python NUMA package in OpenSUSE Factory has not been addressed for the past four weeks, and unless somebody steps up to submit the fixes, the Python NUMA package will be removed. The Tumbleweed reviewer gives Snapshot 2019-1203 a stable score of 95, 1206 a stable score of 98, and 1207 a stable score of 99. Tumbleweed has been scoring very well lately, and I can say from personal experience that Using Tumbleweed as of late has been really uneventful, and I have been free of any Plasma or K-Organizer or Akinati or any of the known trouble or rough areas of Plasma. It's been great, as in really great for quite a while now on Tumbleweed, and somebody deserves a good, hearty handshake and a pat on the back for a great job done. Or maybe several somebodies. It is OpenSUSE board election time. The 2019-2020 Call for Nominees applications is going on right now. Nominations and applications for board candidacy close on the 25th of December, 2019. So, if you are interested in running for a position on the OpenSUSE board, now is the time to throw your name in the hat. I want to thank you once again for taking time to listen to my sometimes neglected... Okay, I did neglect my, my little noodlings here for a while. So thank you for coming back and listening, if you have. All three of you, I, I really appreciate it. If you think I'm off or even slightly off on anything, feel free to contact me at you're kind of a slacker at cubiclenate.com. I hope you tune in again for another noodling of nonsense. See yous.